0: This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host the host of Voices of Misery podcast. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P O D B E A N. Check it out.
1: On with the show.
0: What's going on again, everybody? It's another episode of the Voice of Misery podcast. I'm, of course, the nerd. And guess what? We have a special guest today. And we've been doing a lot of these things lately. And uh, everyone that's been coming on the show has been teaching us a lot of stuff about life and things in general. And today is no exception. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited to have my good, good friend on the show here. A, a, A new friend. And he's from New Jersey. Oh, my God, I'm from New Jersey. So this is going to be a really interesting conversation. We're going to get loud. We're going to talk about pork roll. We're going to talk about all sorts of things. His (laughs) name is Tom Fargnoli, and he is from New Jersey. So, hey, Tom, how are you doing, my friend? Hey, nerd, I'm good. Thanks for having me
1: on your show. I'm doing pretty good. Thank you.
0: So the thing is, is like we're both from New Jersey. So I want to break the ice here and just talk about New Jersey for a minute, because I haven't been there for
1: a very long time. Okay. What part well, of Jersey are, are you from? I'm I'm from South Jersey, which okay. is practically a different state from the North Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about really uh, 20 minutes from Philadelphia. Like, uh, right now, I'm going, uh, I'm actually in my uh, our shore house, which is right on uh, right right at Sea Isle City, which is oh. uh, close to Atlantic City, about maybe half hour away from Atlantic City. But uh, yeah, I've been in New Jersey, born and raised all my life. Other than you know, a year in the uh, Marshall Islands, but other than that, I'm um I've been a New Jersey boy. So, what's your
0: favorite part about living in New Jersey and being a Jersey boy? Because I have my certain things that I like about from being from New Jersey, and like I love the pork roll, I love just the atmosphere and everything like that. What
1: What do you like? Yeah, I mean, the food is amazing. We get some great vegetables. We get some. You know, the Jersey tomatoes we're known for, mm. uh, you know, the corn on the cob, the white corn, uh, you know, in New Jersey, we have access to just about everything. We're close to Philadelphia. We're close to New York. You know, we're close to uh, Washington. And so we have a, a huge variety of things. And, uh, you know, we can go to concerts right in Philadelphia close to the shore which is uh opens up the casinos and you know now the concerts are coming back thank goodness so uh i got a lot of things uh that that we have that we're close to which is what i like about it i'm not really happy about the taxes but other than that uh you know and that uh, we may be changing as time goes on we'll see
0: yeah we'll see what happens with all that stuff but you know. The reason why I wanted you on the show today is because you have a very interesting topic to talk about and something that I really wanted to kind of deep dive into here and uh you uh I mean like I don't even know how to like get into this without, you know, saying something that's like really horrible, but like you had a, a, a very horrible heartbreak in your life and you came out the other side and you 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 really made a life for yourself outside of your heartbreak. So I just wanna kinda of just have you introduced yourself to our audience and just like give people a background on you before we get into the whole meat of the topic here?
1: Sure. Sure. Well, I'm retired now. I'm a retired uh, engineer actually. Um about 40-some years as a system engineer. Um I also uh did magic for a large majority of my time. Uh doing my daughter and I used to do magic shows. So uh, I had a very active, uh, active uh, life. I taught in the um, community college computer science courses, and intro to a lot of different computer courses, and um, and uh, I'm also, uh, you know, an ex-Catholic deacon in the uh, in the Catholic Church. Uh, so, you know, with all that behind me, and um, yeah, I had what I would say was a perfect life. Really, I mean everything was falling into place for me. Two children, um, six grandchildren, actually five, one's one on the way. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah. And so life's, life's been very good to me. Uh, you know, five years ago, um, everything changed. And uh, as you said, uh, five years ago, uh, just retiring, uh, being ordained as a deacon, planning my whole retirement. Everything was running smoothly. Uh, and then, of course, you know, tragedy struck my family. And uh, it's, been diff- it's been difficult. It's been difficult.
0: Now, tragedy strikes people, obviously, you know, and at the worst moments of their lives where they just can't even expect it because, like, you, you, you can't plan for these kinds of things. So I just mm-hmm. want to ask you...
1: You know, like, yeah, sure. Yeah.
0: Uh, You know,
1: and and, and the thing about, um, you know, my particular case, uh, it's every every situation is a little different. But, you know, my wife of 40 years, we were married 40 years. Seems like everything was in 40s. I worked for 40, lived in the same house for 40. We were married for 40, worked at the same job for 40 years. Not exactly the same. But uh, but then. uh, you know, my wife uh, started uh, becoming depressed. Uh, and really, uh, three months after this surfaced, um, she ended up taking her life. You know, when you and when this happens, um, you know, it, grieving the loss of a loved one is, is difficult. But when it's related to suicide, when the loss... is is, is lost to suicide, the grieving becomes much more complex. Uh, Just as you were kind of hesitant to talk about it in the beginning, that's what happens with suicide. Uh, People generally shut down. Uh, Once they find out, you know, that, oh, his wife took her own life, you know, there's all these misconceptions, these generalizations, but for the most part, people just shut down. And you really kind of feel shunned in a way because when you really want to talk about it people just don't want to they just are very uncomfortable now this
0: person was your spouse obviously and uh yes my question to you is like you're supposed to share everything with your spouse and you're supposed to like be an open like have an open relationship have open dialogue and just talk to each other Did she ever give you any inclination that maybe this is the route she was going towards or she was unhappy in life or what happened?
1: Right. Well, so here's the thing with suicide. There's a lot of misconceptions when someone when 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 someone takes their own life, uh, we tend to think that they made a decision to do so. Uh, But in her case and in so many cases, it really wasn't a rational decision. Uh, she was filled with so much emotional pain. And what we found out after the fact was that it was kind of a hereditary thing in her case. You know, she had a brother and uh, another family member who who actually did the same thing. And, and, you know, you would have thought that I would have been able to, <laughs> you know, seeing things coming. But really, at first, it was just a matter of her, her losing some sleep. And and then just everything was exaggerated. And my daughter was uh, engaged. We were coming up to her wedding, and uh, I noticed she was very, uh, you know, very concerned that we wouldn't have money for for my daughter's wedding. Yet I had the money put aside, and I showed her that look here's here's the money. There's no re- need need to worry. So I did notice an exaggerated amount of worrying. Uh, over many things. But in my farthest imagination and dreams, I never thought it would come to, you know, the actual action. And so, and no one, no one in my family did. And uh, even the doctors, I had her to a psychologist, I had her to a psychiatrist. And uh, you know, they prescribe certain medicines and They thought that she would definitely come out of it, but, uh, she never did. So, so to answer your questions, it's, it's every, every suicide is probably different, but I think when someone hears that S word, they generalize to the point, Oh, they made that decision. But in her case, it was just, she was in so much emotional pain that she just, I mean, she didn't want to do that, but you know, uh, she just wanted out of the pain, out of that emotional pain. Now, so, you know, that's pretty much in, that, in that, my situation anyway.
0: This is a very tough subject to talk about, and I do appreciate you. <laughs> and, and I really, really, really appreciate you coming on here to talk about it. But I just want to ask you here, so, like, what part of you took this upon yourself to say, hey, you know what, like, is this my fault? that she did this, like maybe I could have done something better or different. Was there any of that or what happened?
1: Yeah, there's always that. And, and I found that to be very typical. Uh, you know, unfortunately I met people who uh, had loved ones uh, take their own life. They're basically called suicide survivors, which is what I am now. I don't, you never knew, I always thought a suicide survivor was someone who survived suicide, but no, they're the ones left behind. And that seems to be a common uh, factor, the guilt and thinking, uh, oh, you know, I should have done this or I should have done that. With me, the day it happened, I i had retired already, but I was working two days as a consultant. And I keep reliving, i not now as much, but I relive that day over and over and um, said, you know, why didn't I just stay home that day? Why didn't I just hold her that day why why did i have to go to work and um but i was convinced after a while that had it not been that day it would have been another day and, and uh but there is this extreme amount of, of thinking in terms of oh man I, I you know when we find out someone a family or friend has taken their own life First thing we think of is, man, I wish I called him. I wish I called her. Why didn't I, you know, go out of my way? You know, in my case, it was reliving that day. But you know, in, in, in the reality was, I did everything I could do. I had her to every doctor, and just never saw it coming to to that day.
0: Now, were there any warning signs or anything that triggered? you know, like any kind of thoughts that this may be the end game for her to you? Like, th- did you see anything that might've like warned you towards this? That could have
1: helped you? Uh, yeah. Again, that day when I left for work, she said, you know, goodbye, Tom. And rather, uh, you know, when I look back, um, uh, maybe I could have taken that. Maybe I could have, you know, saw more into that goodbye, Tom, than I did. But, uh, you know, other than that, I and mean, if it's just, you know, me thinking in terms of, you know, what could have been different, but but to be honest, and everyone that knows my wife, Mary Ellen, who did that, um, that was shocked, too, because she was never, I mean, she was just never a person that would even think in terms like that.
0: Now, what was that first day like when you woke up and she wasn't there and things happened you know um i don't want to get into the details of you know like when you woke up that morning things like that but
1: yeah yeah well uh, it happened on uh, december 15th and um she had reluctantly decorated the house um the week the month before right after thanksgiving she wasn't herself but you know you, you you tend to just try to do things that you know you get feel back you're back into the groove and we decorated the house and uh, so uh, the first thing i i when everyone was over that day i just kept looking at all the decorations thinking you know how, how can this be i mean these decorations are decorations that we've shared over 40 years that we've collected on our travels uh certain crazy things we hung on the tree Uh, in her special way of of, of decorating. Uh, So the next day, you know, again, I I got up uh, for a little sleep I did get and um, just looked at the decorations, and it was just so unreal to me, so unreal.
0: I can't even begin to put myself in your shoes because I, 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 I just... I mean, holy crap, like, I I just can't even pretend to know what kind of pain you felt knowing that this woman that you loved is gone. And I have a woman in my life who I love, you know, just as much. And, you know, I, I just can't imagine life without her. So the fact that you are here now talking to me is just, you know, it just says a lot about yourself and how strong you are as a human being to keep going so what did you do or, or like what did you use as your inspiration to keep moving on without her
1: well you know as i mentioned uh, the fact that uh you know loss of someone through suicide makes things rather complex but what made it even more complex for me was that i was a deacon in the church now a deacon in the catholic church is an ordained kind of minister, not like a priest, but um, they take a vow for the most part that if their wife uh, should die, they will not pursue another relationship, especially one that would lead to marriage. They're pretty much saying that, well, I'll stay celibate and no more wives for me. Now, of course, I'm not going to run off and get married again. However, as the days and weeks and months went by, uh, that was on my mind, thinking that, well, now I'm always going to be alone. And um, I remember when we first found out about that rule, my wife was the one that was against it. And I said, why are you against it? I mean, I'm going to die before you anyway. But, you no. know, that's what most men think, right? Sure. And she says, yeah, I just, I just don't want you to be lonely. So so that was on my mind. And, and, uh, as the time went on, I, I kept, you know, you're grieving and grieving has a whole series of steps, as you know, and uh, mm-hmm. I've tried, I'm going through them one at a time, sometimes two at a time. And, um, you know, but that was something else on my mind, like, Oh, I, you know, and, and so it just was always plan, you know, on, on my mind all the time. And, um, And after two years of that, after two years of trying to make up my mind, uh, I decided that I would leave the diaconate, and um, I felt very rejected. The church kind of treated me as if I left the church, not left being a deacon. So I felt this shunning all over again, first from suicide and second from, well, geez, you made the wrong decision, you know. Uh, it was just very difficult to deal with that. It was almost like grieving again.
0: No, I don't know
1: a lot about religion
0: because I'm not a very religious person. Uh, I consider myself an agnostic. Sure. But I want to ask you this question here. Um, so you losing your spouse and then trying to find someone else and they tell you, no, you cannot, and that's your faith. How do you feel at that moment when, like, you, you're you basically torn between your faith and your heart at that point? How, like, how do you get through that?
1: That's exactly what it was. Uh, I torn behind my heart was torn in half. Uh, you know, when you make when you have a hard decision, and if you are a person of faith, you know, easy decisions don't require God, right? But these tough ones. Sure. You need to, you know, I've always needed to pray. In I, reading Blaise Pascal over the years, one of my favorite writers and authors, uh, mathematician, uh, he 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 always believed that um, when you were faced with a tough decision, you should choose the one with the heart. In other words, choose the one that felt right for you, not not so much your mental uh, weighing the pros and cons, but. Choose the path with the heart. Uh, and the problem was I had two paths, both with a heart. You know, <laughs> I enjoyed I enjoyed being a deacon. I enjoyed preaching. I enjoyed working in the hospital and bringing yeah. uh, communion to people. Uh, but to be alone doing that, you know, and so, yeah, it was a very difficult, very difficult decision. In fact, the decision drove me <laughs> crazy. It put me in the hospital and I ended up getting open heart surgery. Now, whether or not it was that, I mean, I never had high blood pressure. I never had, um, I never had, I never smoked. I always worked out, but those two years were such, so full of turmoil that, that I ended up with open heart surgery. And it was there actually in that recuperation of that surgery that I made my decision that I don't want to be alone. How was your relationship with God
0: now, knowing that you know you you lost the love of your life, and then you're trying to move on? They say you cannot, and then when you say, "Hey, listen, I'm going to move on and I'm going to leave the church," and now you have this this heart issue.
1: Sure. Do you question your faith at all after this? Absolutely, absolutely. I did. I never left the church. I I left the deacon. I left being a deacon, but when I say I never left the church. Some for some reason I always had a relationship with God. You know, when I say relationship, I just I always just talked to him. And and in some cases, I yelled at him. I yelled like, you know, like you would believe it. You know, what are you doing to me? Why I didn't deserve this. Uh what is it? You know, why why would why would you do this to me? And uh yeah, my faith was challenged. But um somehow somehow i always hung on to some glimmer of light some glimmer of hope uh and 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 you know when i couldn't make that decision i i i remember yelling i was in the condo at that point i had sold the house and i remember yelling at the top of my lungs you know you have to show me the way i don't know what to do and uh it was soon after that that uh that I was introduced to, uh, my current wife now, Dorothy, who we uh, are coming up to one year being married. We're and unblocked. so, yeah. And she lost her husband rather suddenly after 44 years. So it was interesting how we both kind of were placed there for each other. Was there, there Really, we believe that, you know, God put us together we also believe oddly enough that our spouses had something to do with it so um so yeah it is you know when you look back over those hard times it's dark very little light and very little but there was a glimmer so you know in in my cover of the book i have dark clouds with just a little glimmer coming through and uh, it was that glimmer that i held on to
0: well, some of the best books come from people's personal experiences. And I love the fact that you're, you're being so open and sharing your personal experiences with us here. And I want to ask you this question here, because this is something I've always been very curious about when you remarry and when you pass away, because we're all going to die. We all have an expiration date. We're all that milk carton at the store when you pick it up and you have an expiration <laughs> date. You know what that yeah. date is, but we don't yeah. know. what it is. We don't know. But, right. Oh, yeah. But we know we're going to die yeah. soon. Yeah, who do you end up with? Because, like, yeah. I am not a man of God, even though I do right. believe there is a higher
1: being. Yeah. Well, here that's an easy one because, um, sure. you know, uh, if you have faith and you do believe in, you know, read the scriptures, Jesus actually answered that question for us. Okay. They asked him. They they sent this. Uh, they was trying to trick him, right? So you read some of the scriptures, and they said, you know, what happens if a, uh, you know, someone, uh, you know, marries a woman, and then the man dies. And back in those days, if there was, if he had a brother, he was obligated to marry the woman to take yeah. care of her. Yeah. So what happens if seven brothers all died and and she married all seven brothers and, you know, each one of them died? Who who do they end up with? Almost the same question you <laughs> asked me. <Yeah. laughs> so, but that was a little bit of exaggeration. Jesus said, well, in heaven, there is no marriage, okay? There is no, uh, you know, we think in terms of marriage on earth, and for being with someone here but in heaven you know that's a different mindset right it's you're free from all of those uh, you know th- there's there's just love and so this this pure love that would exist um you know transcends any of that logic that they try to trick him with you know so you're not going to end up with uh, you know one person you're going to end up with everybody i mean it's going to be uh, you know that's that's the faith. I mean, to have that type of love, to understand, you know, more than we could ever understand in this life.
0: It's like a giant orgy of fun. I mean, like, I who like wouldn't it. want to I, be there? I like it. Yeah, hopefully we <laughs> have food and
1: wine too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, it's because like you, you remarried, so yeah. I mean, like. It, it's really hard for me to wrap my head around this because, like, when I think of death, I think about movies like Ghost, and I think of like mm-hmm. all these other movies out there that are like, you okay. know, glamorizing the afterlife. And when I think of dying, I think of like everyone that I've ever loved in my life is just waiting with arms wide open. I, I jump into their arms, they hug me, they hold me, and I'm mm-hmm. there with them. Right. But well, like, Ken, you, you know it's uh, right. it's
1: it's it's based on your on your, what you understand now. I mean, so yeah. I mean, we would no one knows what heaven's going to be like. Uh, we have you know, if you if you're a man of faith or a woman of faith, you you have some scripture that alludes to it. But no one, let's face it, no one knows for sure. And so, uh, but but we all think in terms of this life. I, I do think about that all the time, though. I mean, I think, well, you know, I, when my wife died, I paid for my plot, too. So, I mean, I'm, you know, as far as my physical body, yeah, I'll be, I'll be with her. But, but, you know, spiritually, who knows? Hopefully I won't have the limitations I have now. Hopefully this bad back of mine will go away. Hopefully I can wrestle a lion. That's what I want to do in
0: heaven. So what were those first couple of days like when she was gone? And you were sitting there questioning your faith, I mean, like like a white, like, what was this all about? What happened
1: well uh, you know if we li- if we limit it to the days, I would say I was in a daze, I would say I was truly in a daze uh you know the the expression you know time will cure you or time helps well, you know w- when you're going through something like that, you don't want to hear that, but I would say with time, things did get better, not time alone. In other words, I I would say active time or positive time. I mean, I. Still managed to pray. I still managed to meet with people. I went to breathing groups. Uh, I I got to see other people meet other people who had lost their spouses. Um, I didn't sit around so so what I'm saying by positive time is I put a lot of time into trying to get to get understand this all, and uh, you know one of the things with suicide and how people don't want to talk about it is they view the person who took their life as that event, whereas there's so much love and so many things. My wife and I were together forty years. And I would, I wanted to talk about the fun we had and we do now, but in the early days, you know, she was so much more than the person who took our life. And yet people just didn't want to talk about, it. but in pushing myself to, to, to pray and to read and to, you know, a lot of books were written just on the same kind of a question that you posed me. Like why, you know, how do you hold into your faith through this? And, um, so I stayed with all of that. And little by little, those glimmers uh, got a little larger. So, so the darkness kind of got a little lighter over time. Sure. Matt, do you
0: think faith itself, when you think about faith, it's like a, you know, this, this word, faith. Mm-hmm. Do you think that some people take it as a little bit of personal you know, uh, narcissism, where they think it's all about them? where it's like hey listen god loves me 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 but then you being a deacon and losing someone and having to deal with their 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 loss and putting on to yourself like how do you deal with that because it's such a a tough thing to talk about and such
1: such a horrific thing yeah Uh, faith is something you can't it you can't buy you can't even work toward i mean it's gift and um sometimes you just pray and and find like i say holding on to those glimmers of light somehow i just knew that they would get better um yeah did, did i have a faith well you know there's degrees of faith right i mean you know like uh, i always remember the james bond movie in uh, Live and let die, you know, when the uh, various people died, they had a big Mm -hmm. parade in the street, you know, because they they believe that they're 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 in a better life. Right. I mean, that's 100 percent faith. Right. Yes. Uh, But but most of us, you know, we we very solemn for many days, weeks, months. We go through this grieving. Um, What's our faith like? I mean, do we really believe the loved one is in a better life? If we did, maybe we wouldn't be so, you know. So I. I see faith as a, a degree, and it changes from, from day to day, week to week. In those early days, it probably changed from minute to minute. And, uh, but I held on to it. As, as small as it may have gotten, I, felt I held on to it. And, uh, you know, it finally grew. I finally, it finally grew.
0: Now, with your wife's faith, because you are a vegan, and I just want to know, like—
1: Not anymore
0: well not anymore but like when she was alive
1: <laughs> oh uh, yes okay
0: my thing is this is like did she subscribe to your faith because and 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 my limited understanding if you commit suicide you go to hell so you yeah, don't go a,
1: yeah that's a, that's a misconception there's okay. nothing about that in any scripture or you know that's something that you know kind of grew out of the middle ages and uh, but you know uh, you know you have to go to scripture and and basically you know uh, number one, God is a merciful God more than anything and uh you know so when someone takes their own life, and especially in the case of my wife, where she did not know what she was doing, uh you know God knows what, what was going on, and she you know he 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 who knows what caused the depression you know was hereditary. I mean, there's people getting cancer. Cancer is not a good thing, but, you know, who this work, this earth that we live on, people are free to create paint without the without the proper testing. So people yes. inhale paint and they get cancer. Well, that's not something God did. So, um, yeah, she was very supportive of, of me being a deacon, and she took part in all the classes. You know, it was like a six-year program. So she took part in a lot of the classes, and she had – went on retreats with me uh so she was very supportive of me being a deacon um so you know that was uh, that was a good thing well it's
0: it's just really strange because like i'm a man who wants to believe
1: in a higher being i want Mm -hmm. to but i can't sure well you know you're half you're halfway there if you want to in fact you're more than half you're more than half um you know when you look at people some people go to church every week and and, and they don't really they're not really there they're they go yeah. through the motions they go through the motions they say the prayers they sing the songs uh but you know they won't hold the door open for the person behind them leaving uh so you know i have always believed that action is faith and you know how you treat people and and uh to me I think that's what really what God wants and looks at, you know, not the fact that you say these prayers, not the fact that you go to church every week, but, but what's in your heart. And, um, you know, you, if you believe that, if you have a desire, you might want to read some of, uh, uh Thomas Merton. He, uh, he, he, hmm. he was, uh, he was a monk who, uh, you know, he had a, pretty crazy life and he, he had that desire to to know god too and yet he didn't buy it at first and so just his experiences brought him to it but but i think that the fact that you want it you must something must be attracting you to it
0: well my but, thing you know is- you
1: you probably just didn't see any flavor of it right yet that that makes sense to you well, my
0: whole thing with God and my relationship with God Himself is, my mom she passed away a couple of weeks ago. My dad passed away. well, you know things happen, and uh, mm-hmm. she was suffering. So I'm glad she passed away because she's not sure. suffering anymore.
1: I know. So I re- I've been through that.
0: Yeah, that's my relationship with death. Now is like if people don't suffer, it's okay you have to grieve but you have to also see the other side where hey you know what they're not suffering anymore you can't be selfish you can't say hey i wish they were here suffering so i can see them so now let them go and you grieve and you just remember them the way that they were at their best that's the way that i like to think of that but
1: my
0: but my whole thing here is this is like when you think about god and you think about religion you think about all these other things it's such a broad topic because, like, I mean, I find it very hard to believe in, in in a God who wants you to suffer and who has all these things out there that you know, like, hurt you. And mm. it, 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 it's just really tough to, to even wrap your your
1: words around this. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough because uh, we think, you know, when you when you come right down to people many times have approached me, you know, why would God let this happen? Why would God let that happen? And I said, well, you know, this, this is earth. This is not heaven. And when you think about it, what if they couldn't happen? What if, you know, a child on a bike could never fall in front of a car and get hurt? What if uh, someone could never, as good as they may be, get cancer? What if any of these things could not happen on Earth? Well, it would make this Earth not very realistic. Things happen because they can happen. Anything can happen. But that's where the faith comes in. You know, this is all those things that can happen are temporary. Uh, If your focus is on now and on this Earth, and and you know anything can happen from one day to the next, then, yeah, you would never have peace. But if you focus a little bit further, take a little, you know, 30,000 feet view of it, um, things could, uh, you know, not happen for good, but there's you might see a plan through it all, or at least know that there's a better world coming, um, you know. But when I always say that, you know, hey, things happen because they can and it wouldn't be realistic if they could not not here, not not in this world.
0: Oh, of course not. But has there ever been a moment in your life as a deacon where you are a teacher or or a purveyor of of thoughts and emotions and, and, and and faith? Have you ever sat by yourself in a private moment where you're sitting there by yourself and you're thinking to yourself like, am I a fool? For believing in this, like, is this real? Have you ever had those thoughts?
1: Yeah, I've I've had those thoughts through my throughout my life. You know, and, you know, thinking in terms of like, well, you know, if if uh, if you believe in heaven and hell, and and you do all these things to get to heaven, and there's no heaven, turns out there not to be any heaven. Well, you've already lived hell, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but but uh, again, um, if if you take the time to you know, either pray or talk or just meditate, if you will. Uh, you know, I, I, a lot of things I put in my book about that, my journey of of how I was led to some belief of something else, and um, it it just it always comes. It, I mean, it always comes to me. It some sometimes it doesn't come right away. You know, I mean, there's a crazy thing about you know, people having a guardian angel. And someone told me, you know, we all have guardian angels. He says, oh, really? Mine must be, you know, a little you know, something, you know, fallen angel or something. I don't know. But um, he says, oh, no, you you pray for the uh, name of your guardian angel, you'll get it. I said, oh, really? <laughs> so I says, I'll give it a shot. You know, I said, I started praying. He said, look, I don't know what your name is, but if you were out there and I started thinking about m- over my life, if there was some intercession or interaction between me and any angel, I was thinking about the time I just barely had a head on collision or the time I, you know, did this. And I luckily, I didn't drill through the, 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 the gas tank in my Volkswagen when I was installing a stereo. Something made me get out and see what's in the way. And I almost drilled through a gas tank, which one blew my head off and uh so i started thinking of all these things and i says if you really were there and help me with this let me know your name so <laughs> i get uh weeks go by of course you know and i get this little inkling of a Richard coming to my mind and i said come on i ain't gonna buy that you know i'm gonna need more than that i'm an engineer for god's sakes you know and so i'm gonna need more and then um then I found the dog tag for my father. Now, his middle name was Richard, Thomas Richard farnley But I didn't, you know, I saw the Richard on there. And I said, okay, that's two. I, I'm, I'm going to need a third one. I'm sorry. So I was watching the movie. I was watching the movie. Uh, my wife was cooking. I was watching this movie, The Life of Pi, you know, where the, oh, yeah. the guy's inside the raft with the tiger. Yep. Yeah. And, um, I'm dozing off, you know. It wasn't the kind of movie, you know, I was dozing off. And I hear the kid yelling at the tiger, Richard, Richard, and woke me up out of my sleep. I says, okay, that's three. So then I, I says, all right, I'm going to go with Richard. And I'm going to start praying to Richard. <laughs> and, you know, if, when I die, if it turns out to be somebody else, then I apologize now. But anyway, that, as stupid as the story is, it is. I, I just opened myself to it. And then you... You sit back and you listen.
0: Yeah. Well, what advice would you give to someone like me who uh, just basically just lives her lives and just tries to be a good person? And my father, he passed away. Like, like I said earlier on, uh, he passed away a long time ago. And uh, he was always a very religious man. And I've always held this resentment towards religion because he was a man who, who sent money to these people on tv like charles stanley and uh, these other religious you know people that he used to watch and i held this against me and i always had this question in my head We're like why would god make me suffer or make him suffer he's a child of god mm-hmm. why would he suffer Like when yeah, he gave no, his life to you and, and helped other people and you mm-hmm. being a deacon and losing the love of your life I mean, like, how did you channel that energy, and how did you stay focused?
1: Yeah. Well, I found I found a lot of grief groups in my case that helped, and a lot of reading. There's so many books on this topic, and so many books on where you are in your journey. Not everyone's, you know, a, you know, right now to pick up a book and read about, you know, sure. some type of religious uh, practice, but there are books that uh you know the str- you know striving for some degree of spiritual understanding there's tons of uh i always was interested in these the the eastern uh philosophy books um you know the dalai lama and some of some of the uh, buddhism i was very interested in in some of that it, it just exposed a different way of thinking but then eventually it led me to uh, other books that, that brought me into a different uh uh, way of looking at christianity from a mystical perspective i mean you know you just don't go to a church and get into everything that they're doing because you know that's not going to work but you know there's a progression as long as you have some degree of interest or you know desire to find out more you know with me being you know math major in engineering i, I uh, you know Blaise pascal was something that i read a lot of who uh you know just made sense he tried to prove the um, existence of god from a mathematical perspective so so i found all of these little pieces and you know it was like a journey for me so i would say to someone that you know find out where you are in your journey if it's you know if it's just a desire to learn more I would say have an open mind and, and, and read some of these books that, uh, that might, um, you know, might, might be good or might be bad, but at least you know, you're striving for.
0: It. And my question to you is going to be one I ask every single religious person we ever have on the show. Like, we've had a lot of religious people on the show, like people that have practiced and that and, exorcisms, even like a lot of crazy things on the show. But my question is always the same. And I always want to know this because no one knows the answer. Like, no one knows exactly. Because the thing is, like, I preach the gospel of I don't know. If God's mm-hmm. real, great. Mm-hmm. If he's not, then I, then I don't know. I just don't know. My question to you was this. If I live my life as a virtuous human being, a great human being, I treat people the way that I want to be treated, I uh, respect my wife, I respect my children, I treat them like gold, if I go to the pearly gates when I pass away, let's say if I pass away the second we hit the stop button on this podcast here, and they and, and I go up there, my spiritual self goes up there, and they go, hey, you know what? You never said that prayer to accept Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior. Even though you live the great life, you're going to hell. Is that what happens? I mean, like, this is something that I've been trying to figure out because I am one person who... If I'm going to give my all to something, I'm going to give 100%. I can't go 99%. I have to be 100%. So, you know, if,
1: yeah, I can't just I, fake it. Yeah, as you tell me this, I'm looking out my window here. Shame I didn't get the <laughs> um I didn't get the uh, view because I'm looking at the ocean, right? And um it's a remarkable sight. And you know, I think of the pattern and the and and, and just the, the beauty and how things are just perfect. You know, the sand, the ocean, the sky. And if there's a God that can create such beauty and such precision, if that God tells me that I can't get into heaven because I didn't accept Christ as my Lord and Savior at a certain point in my life, then guess what? Send me to hell. I don't want to be a part of it uh you know that's why I hate that whole Protestant thing. I mean I you love too, Protestants, too. don't get me wrong, but yeah my my son and daughter in all you know and that's fine, but that's not for me uh, I don't believe that I have to have a moment in my life to to profess I'd rather say that my life is professed by my actions by taking yes. care of my children, taking them to the awful. hospital taking to get a you know their their physicals you know taking you know being concerned with my wife's uh, situation you know that that action that daily action is how you profess your faith and uh you add to that just a little bit of you know understanding of god and they think you're there it's just a
0: i mean just for for someone in my shoes where you're not sure because i don't know i don't know if, it, if if god is real or not but i want to know that if he's a real or he or she i don't want to misgender god obviously He's 2021 20, you don't want to misgender anybody now i just want to know mm-hmm. if i yeah. say to myself like hey i don't fully believe in you, but i don't disbelieve in you. but i'm going to live a virtuous lifestyle will i be allowed into that next level will i be allowed into heaven
1: mm-hmm. um well you know you you're not going to get a definitive answer wherever you look uh the the thing is that uh, if you con- if you read you know different books uh i'll say books but there's also scripture But again, not everyone can read scripture that, uh, you know, but there are some things in there that that point to this. And, uh, you know, even his disciples, I mean, you think about Christ when he was here. You know, he had these 12 characters that followed him around and they were like huge sinners. I mean, they were far from. You know, I mean, if they, if they, if they were to, they're fishermen, right? They, I can imagine yeah. language they had back then, right? Oh. Uh, you know, the, the, these are the people he selected. He didn't select the people that were uh, holy rollers that, uh, that you, mm-hmm. you know that you come across today. He selected these people that had more doubt than you and I had, uh, and, and 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 somehow he saw something in them. You know, maybe it was a spark, maybe it was something, but, but, but he used it and he, and, he, and he built upon it. And so they became, you know, you know, the time that, you know, of course, when you see someone come back to, to life, that makes things a little different for you. But, you know, uh, from now, you know, he built his whole church and, you know, regardless of the church, regardless of, of any of that, uh, you know, like if you look at some of the other religions who look for who look for answers. It's always a person. It's always a person who was enlightened. Buddha was enlightened. Okay, that's fine. I'm happy for you. You know, uh, Mahat. You know, you're a prophet. I'm enlightened. For I'm happy for you. You know, uh, Sid Arthur. You know, all these, all these people. But here's a guy that's saying, No, I'm, I'm the son of God. I'm the son of the one who created that ocean. <laughs> you know, that's pretty heavy. You know, mm-hmm. that's pretty heavy. So, so he didn't pick out those holy rollers, and he, didn't, he doesn't care if you uh, skid up and say, "I, I, you know, I found Christ this particular day. And he's my Lord and Savior." You know, no, I think he looks at us day to day. We're going to have good days. We're going to have bad. We're going to have days where we're going to fall, and other days to get up. But I just think that glimmer of light, that glimmer of peace, and however small it may be, you just hold on to that, and it'll grow.
0: Now, would a God or would a higher deity know if you meant what you said or if what's in your heart is what you actually felt? Because there's some people out there that just really preach the word of God when they don't believe it themselves. They just say it because they know, like, hey, listen, I'm close to death. I have to say this because I need to get to this astral plane of, of, of heaven yeah. or this other area.
1: Yeah. Can God well, tell that's...
0: who's real and who's fake?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, when he was here, people said the same thing to him. You know, I don't, I don't buy any of this crap that you're dishing out. You know, he says, "All right, well, if you don't have to believe in what, what I'm saying, you don't have to believe in any of it. Just believe in what I do." In other words, it, it was the same, same topic again. Don't, don't believe in, you know, you don't might not believe who, who I am, who I say I am, but believe in my works. And what was his, what were his works? Okay, what did he do? He healed people. He, you know for people you know all the things that you listed out that you use you, you, you did already as a virtuous person that's the things that he did when he was here and so yeah that's all that's all it takes I don't think you're going to get that definitive answer but you will get an answer if you continue to act and live appropriately i think I think you'll get your answer I know you will and that's what's so
0: scary about this whole thing, because, like, you don't know, and no one knows. So, like, you can be this perfect person. You can live your life as a virgin. You can never touch a woman or do anything horrible in your entire life. And then when you die, it could either be one of two things. It could be you go to this land of, of everything that you've ever imagined it to be with God and, and, and bells and whistles, or you just go to sleep forever.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think, In your own I
0: private a, moments, like, do you have those those thoughts to yourself? Like, hey, listen, like, maybe this is not my thing. Like, maybe I should just live my life and just see what happens.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the, the Catholics have a, uh, have an answer for that, right? They came up with purgatory. <laughs> so, you know, they, they, they <laughs> yeah. said, okay, so you're not right. You're not quite ready. But, you know, at least you're, you know that you're going to get there. You just, just have to wait a while. I always get around. I says, yeah, for me, it'll, I, I have to have another at least 10,000 years in purgatory for, uh, yeah. you know, for looking at that picture on the Internet or whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned your, your daughter and you mentioned magic. So I just want to ask you, like, how this came about as far as, like, getting into magic, because, I mean, magic is, I mean, holy shit. It's magic. <laughs> like, yeah. hey, how many cards are in this hand? Or,
1: like, where's the magic eight ball at? You know, like,
0: yeah. How, yeah. How, well, how I'll
1: yeah. Some guy, I was probably in my 20s. I, I was working at, uh, working, and, and this guy It was at a time when there were still people smoking cigarettes in the cube. So people had ashtrays oh, yeah. and the whole bit, you know. So he had a, he said, let me show you this. And he, he, he pulled his sleeves up and he, he made a lit cigarette disappear in front of my eyes. I said, so how the hell would you do that? <laughs> so it's magic. So I started, I said, I got to figure it out. I got yeah, I got to go find out how he did it. So I, I, I bought magic books and I had to find out how the hell, and I came up with all these tricks of making cigarettes disappear, but none of them were quite the way he was doing it. I, finally, I found it. And so then I started doing it, and it became kind of like uh, addictive. People would come up, I would go to a party or, you know, a uh, girl would be smoking a cigarette so you know that these things are not good for you and would go boom just make it disappear right in front of her eyes and she would be looking at me like, <laughs> where's the cigarette where did it go are you smoking or are you looking at you know <laughs> and I had short sleeve shirts on yeah. next thing you know I'm buying doves and I got doves going on I got uh, you know and my daughter started doing magic with me she wanted a trip to Las Vegas doing an oh, escape nice. with uh, Lance Burton so you know it just got crazy and then as a teacher I would use magic to uh, enhance the material. And as a deacon, I would even use magic to enhance the scripture. one thing for me to tell you to forgive one another. But when I, what I did was, you know, I would take a rope and I would cut it in half and put it back together and talk about how your your soul can be restored if you forgive others. So it made a, I brought a emotional content to the scripture, so it kind of made it interesting. As an engineer, I taught uh for Lockheed Martin. I traveled all over the country mm. teaching and uh, I used uh, magic for a lot of my uh, the breaks and i'll tell you what you see grown men and women uh trying to figure out what the hell you did they they It drives them nuts you know so uh, yeah. so one thing at, at the end of my class they they may have not learned anything that I was trying to teach them, but they learned a few magic tricks, and that was good well, the
0: whole thing about magic and being a deacon at the time like did those two things like kind of butt heads with each other? Because you think of witchcraft and you think of magic. think about Christianity, like those things, just don't really gel very well. So, how were you receptive? Yeah, as far as I like use, you know, yeah.
1: Movies? I mean, there's magic and there's magic. I mean, there's dark magic and there's, you know, like the type of yeah. magic that you know, voodoo magic and mm. you know, magic of the soul and all. No, I mm-hmm. just did tricks. I I do tricks and I do do them to enhance uh, material. What I do on my website, in fact, there's a page on my website called magic. And if you go out to my website and you go to the magic page, you'll see me doing a trick and I actually tell a little story about it, each trick that I do. Except for my mask. I make my mask. I just made my mask disappear. So um, I don't tell a story there. I just just made it disappear. But uh, I find it... Yeah, I just do magic tricks. There's no... There's no uh, real, real dark magic or anything like that. Yeah. But, you know, you got to be careful with that. Like Ouija boards and stuff, you know, stay away from that crap.
0: Do you believe in any of that stuff? Do you believe in Ouija boards? Do you believe in any I mean, kind I of believe, like, existential I, I,
1: beings? For me, I I, I believe that it, I believe there's a spiritual world. I believe that uh, there's, there's evil and there's good. And uh, you got to be careful But you... Uh, that you uh, spend your time thinking about, you know, because uh, sometimes it seems like the evil uh, they know, seems like they know how to get to us a lot easier, a lot quicker than the, the, the good. Seems like they, they they know us better somehow.
0: Oh, they definitely do. And uh, it's a lot easier to be evil than it is to be good because it, it takes a lot <laughs> more energy to smile than it takes to frown, obviously, you know, and uh, that's just something that they say all the time. But yeah. You having your daughter involved with the magic and, and things like that, I mean, like, how did you become the person you are today after your, 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 your spouse, you know, she, you know, like, like, what happened happened? How did you yeah. become that person where you are the provider, you are the only person in their lives now and you have to adjust your children into this lifestyle where she's gone and you're the only person?
1: Well, luckily, uh, and luckily, using that term loosely, but, you know, my children are already, you know, uh, older. And my son was married, he has four boys. And uh, so he was already gone. And my daughter, who had just moved in with her boyfriend, and they were engaged. So they were, you know, soon to be married. And so yeah, I, I didn't have that concern as far as you know taking care of sure. and them, so thank God for that.
0: I mean, it's still so tough. I mean, like what were those conversations like afterwards when you talked to your children and it was like hey you know like this is what happened, and you have that conversation. What was it like?
1: yeah, I mean, I spell a lot of that out in my book, but um there's uh yeah th- those conversations come about slowly. At first, they're very hard and uh, practically don't happen because you tend to not want to talk about that pain. As time goes on, they seep in, you know, so, uh, you know, but it's it's more of a, like, do you believe this happened? Do you believe these what happened over the last four years? You know, and then, then you know, you're on Facebook and you get memories come back and you see, you know, pictures of four years ago, and you say, "Oh my God, how could this have all happened in four years?" You know, look at my life—totally unexpected—and that's the—that's why I named my book *The Deacon and Unexpected Life*, because, believe me, everything that happened to me was unexpected. But the—but—but but again, that's the so many that have unexpected things, and even though I, you can say a lot of bad things that have happened to me. Uh, you know, even in my book, I talk about the, the, uh, you know, the horror of those things. Uh, But I also talk about the light and the peace at the end uh, that that I held on to.
0: Now, the whole thing is faith. And this is why I really wanted you on the show today to talk about faith is because like, I am a person who is half in half out. Like, I don't know what the hell I believe in anymore, but after so much horrible, like, so many horrible things happen to you, like, how did you keep the faith, and how did you just, like, like, how does one subscribe to this notion that this God loves you and and he's there for you when all these horrible things are happening? How did you keep that going?
1: Yeah. Well, you just have to have a a communication open. Uh, It's almost like, you know, uh, you, you, you have open communication with your wife and your children. And things are going to happen. And, uh, you know, if you talk about things on a regular basis, then they're there to help you. Uh, you know, if you shut off your communication, then they really can't help you. And it's the same with 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 God, as I said. I mean, it, you know, establishing that communication, whether it's just yelling at him or whatever yeah, it it is, even in the Bible, you know, there was no a lot of people didn't get on their knees and pray really nice they yelled They, you know they cursed at god you know the thing is to have an open open communication things like this happen if you don't have that then you're on your own and that's not good right i have it i had an open communication did i have unresolved questions do i have unresolved you know uh, faith yes but I, but I always had the communication open, and that's, that's the key. You don't have to have all the answers, but you have to have a relationship. The thing is,
0: it's like you think of a father, and this is a podcast that I'd done a long time ago. Like I, I had a podcast called "Am I a Better Dad than God?" And the reason why I, I, I titled the episode that way is because when I think of a father, I think of myself as a father, I think of my, my father being a father to me. And you have someone who is just there for you all the time. They never want you to do wrong. They always, you know, steer you towards the right path. And then you think about the ultimate father, which is God, who has all these, you know, guidances and things like that. But there's so many horrible hardships. And then I think about things like, you know, boxing matches or or, or football games or, or any kind of sporting events where the the victor says, Hey, God bless me with the ability to win this. But then you see the loser say, Hey, I, I just lost. So why can't God ever get the blame, but he's given all the victory? It just feels like he's set up in this position where he is always the greatest thing ever, but he never gets the blame. My, well, good. you know, like,
1: it why could be he never could held very, accountable. <laughs> could very well be. He you know, the loser might be something that might have lost because of God, you know. I mean Maybe maybe he learned a lesson from something. Maybe uh, maybe there's something uh, you know that that in losing you 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 learn a little bit more about yourself. Uh, You know maybe you learn a little bit. If anything else, you learn to keep your hands up better. I don't know. But uh, (laughs) but there's you know there's more than uh, there's more there's a lot of winning and a lot of losing, despite who actually walks away with the crown, right? I took boxing. I used to box and then and, and one instructor was a chinese boxer and uh, he was incredible and if i took my hands down from my face he wouldn't tell me to put my hands up he'd give me a shot in the head and i was like oh crap i better keep my hands up you know <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly but he's not your divine father though i mean like i'm thinking about this in like a grand you know thought here because these are things that keep me up at night i'm not gonna lie to you man like yeah, yeah. i think well, about
1: this stuff a lot yeah, sure. Well, you know, our lifetime is very short. Um when you think of eternity, this is such a drop in the bucket. And I know that's hard to think about, but uh when you think like I'm I'm in my sixties and uh you know, look you know, think about, you know, when I was so we were just talking today about when I was young and all the candy bars were five cents. And, uh, you know, uh, how I even have teeth today, it's a, it's a, it's a miracle. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it seems like I've lived a long life. But, you know, when you come right down to it, comparing it to eternity, it's just a short, short thing. It's a drop in the bucket. Yeah.
0: It really is. And when you put yourself in that perspective where you think about your life and how many years you've been on this planet, nothing really changes. I mean, like, I like it. I was just saying this earlier on in in, in a different podcast I was recording. I'm 38 years old, and I feel like I have all my memories when I was a kid. And things just move so fast. And when I put myself in someone else's shoes, when I was like a cashier at a supermarket, and like some old person came up and was like, hey, you youngster, I remember I was your age. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Shut up, old man. Just keep on going. But now Hmm. I'm in those shoes, and I feel like everything is just happening so fast. Like, how do you, you know, just kind of keep these moments to yourself where you, you cherish certain moments? Or is it just something that you can't control and just life happens and you just try to make the best out of it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you have to just take time for yourself. You have to take time where you just clear your mind every day, whether it's 15 minutes, 20 minutes. You know, you just have to you have to have that peaceful time. Because sometimes answers come to you then. Whereas if your mind's always going, always, you know, planning this to do next, that to do, following this, then that, then that, your day goes by. And uh, there was no no way to, to, to grow. I mean, you can grow, you take a course, you can learn something. But growth, like, you know, finding out a little bit about who you are, you know, and, and that if you want to have a relationship with, with god i think you need those quiet times because most times we ask things and then go on our, about our way and we don't we don't listen so i think you have i think you have to take the time to to just quiet yourself down
0: do you think someone can live a virtuous life without having
1: god in it i think that uh if you're living a virtuous life god's in it, because i feel like i live one But I don't
0: believe in a God. Like, I will never say, like, hey, listen, I give my life to God. I Mm -hmm. always say to myself, like, if there is a God, he will accept me because I live a good life. But if I ever go to that pearly gates and they say, hey, listen, you're you're a great human being. I mean, like, I'm just looking down the list here and you've always done good stuff. But you never said that prayer where you accept that the Lord Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. So you're, you're going to hell. At that point, I'd say, all right, well, then take me there because I'd rather be there than here because if I lived a good life and you won't accept me, then, you know, why not?
1: Yeah, I hear you. I, I, I hear you. I, again, I think uh, there's answers to that in, in, in Scripture. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of prayers about that. You know, action is more important than than faith. Uh, and, and, you know, but if you give yourself that time, do all the things you're saying you're doing, live a virtuous life, but just add that little time of quietness. And I think, uh, I think you'll get more insight than, than, than you're expecting.
0: Let's talk about your books here. So you're, you are a man of many hats. So you've done a lot of things in your life. So what are you most proud of? And, uh, what would you recommend people check out, as far as your your life's work?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I'm proud of raising a family. I'm proud of uh, my children. I'm proud of my grandchildren. Uh, I, I, I I'm proud of worked having worked in the, in a field that I didn't even you know know what a computer looked like when I started. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I, I I I'm proud of uh, Having influenced people, yeah. uh, my book uh, was was a way of it's you know starting out really as a cathartic experience, really getting things off my mind because it was such a turmoil for me, you know, not only the loss of my wife, but the rejection from the church, uh, rejection, uh, and 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 and, uh, and then you know finding someone else in my life. Uh, You know, the book is 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 written in a way and I don't make anything on this book. All proceeds go to suicide awareness, Uh, but um, it um, it's in my experiences in the book. I take take readers into the hospital with me and they they feel that uh, emotion and they feel the horror that I went through with my wife, but they'll also feel that uh, that peace and light that come through holding on to that glimmer so i'm proud of it i'm proud of this book i believe it was a something that was inspired and uh you know i think they'll get a lot out of it and and if they go on my website they'll even see a magic trick or two <laughs> now
0: were there any issues in, in regards to you as far as like keeping the faith after your, you, you, your wife committed suicide and, and just any hardships in life and just people in general, like, what advice would you give to them who have this belief in God and they have hardship and they're like, hey, wait, I'm one of your soldiers. Why are you giving me this grief? Like, like, how am I supposed to believe in you? Like, what advice would you give to them? And how did you yourself stay down this righteous path when you had so much hardship?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I I think again, it gets back to that relationship. Uh, Don't don't cut it off. Uh, You know, uh, if you live the good life, if you 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 know things happen to you that are, you know, totally unexpected, unexpected, and uh, you just have to talk to God and be honest. You know, you're not gonna. I'm not. I don't care about saying a particular prayer or going to church. I'm talking about going to your room. And talking to God one on one and say, you know, why, why did you do this to me? Why did you do that to me? I need an answer. I need an answer. And uh, you, if you have that relationship and you can talk like that, I think uh, little by little, I think that you will, uh, you'll find, you'll find the way out. You'll find a way back to the peace. You know, I, I think it's like a stream. It's like a stream of water. It's mm-hmm. always close by. You just got to dip that ladle into the stream. It's there. It's a great analogy right there. That's my next really? book, by the way.
0: <laughs> well, I, I want you to plug all your stuff in. We will also put every link to every book or er- everything you've ever done in the, the description of the podcast here. So that's when you to know that. But yeah. I have a lot of questions about religion because, like, I am a very anti-religion person, but I'm looking for a reason to believe in it. And for people that are on the edge for people that are like me who really want to believe in something, but they can't believe in everything because there's so many like things that just don't make sense. When you think about religion, you think about, you know, uh, like Jesus Christ was, was touching people and, and, and they were magically walking and you got the uh, people that were uh, uh, what the fuck, what the hell was it? Um, You know, like the part in the red seas and things like that. Like you don't see miracles like that anymore. So how are people believing in this now? Why were they believing in it then? I mean, like, is this some giant fable? Because, like, one thing that I'd like to use as an analogy here is if I took a Superman comic book and I buried it in the ground, a hundred years later, people will find that comic book and say, hey, Clark Kent was this man who shot beams from his eyes. He's 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 God. You know, like, that's how I see it. Mm -hmm. I feel like the Bible is a comic book.
1: And it's not real. Yeah, well, I mean, the the, the only thing I can say in that case uh, is that, you know, I don't know how or why I I, I, I got that gift of faith. Um, I had it as a child. I, I never had to go to church. My parents never went to church. Uh, somehow I went and you know, I didn't understand a word they were saying, number one. It was in Latin, for God's sakes. <laughs> and, but I had no idea. All I could tell you is I found a piece there, uh, a piece that can't, it's hard to describe. And somehow I built upon that piece over my life. I was fortunate enough. Even through all the unexpected events, I kind of just had access to this piece. It wasn't always religious oriented too and I was in college I you yeah, walking through the campus I uh, these uh, these indian people were teaching transcendental meditation and I took the course it was like 60 dollars at the time next thing you know I'm I'm sitting down with like fruit and incense and you know saying a mantra but I just felt <laughs> it was another way where I was always driven to I, I didn't know what what the questions were never mind the answers but I just felt like you know, I want to try this because it's it's peaceful, and um, you know. And then I started reading, and you know, uh, I, I I quote a lot of books in in, in my book, but uh, I think it starts with with a hunger. I think the hunger is the gift. You said you were you know interested. I think yeah, that that hunger. It's a hunger. Most people don't have it. Most people just go through the day with it. You know, they 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 don't even care. It doesn't even doesn't even cross their mind. You're looking for answers, right? Uh that's a hunger. That hunger is is gonna drive you to, to you're gonna find the answers. Uh maybe they're they're gonna be the answers that are that answers for someone else, but they'll be answers for you. And um uh, you're already searching. You just keep it up, keep keep the search, going. I tell people, read and uh, you know. Tap into some of the stuff
0: well your book's a great place to start but i want to ask you this being a man of faith um your wife committed suicide and i'm i mean it's 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 very hard for me to say this out loud but i'm talking to someone who you know openly talks about this topic and and i appreciate you for doing so so it's just very tough to ask this question here, um, because you're a man of faith. When you think about suicide and the way that I was taught in religion is a person who commits suicide goes straight to hell. Do you think that's what happened to your spouse? Do you think you're ever going to see her again in the afterlife? Yeah. First of work? all,
1: yeah. Yeah. First of all, of course not. Yeah, she, of course she won't go to hell, um. And, you know, you know, I know my spouse more than anyone knows my spouse. Sure. sure. And I know that I know her life was a virtuous life. Uh, You you know, I know we loved our children more than any more than ourselves. Uh, I know how she loved her parents, uh, her siblings. And uh, that love is something that never dies. That that love lives on. And so there's no way that love could could go to hell there's 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 a contradiction in terms right evil can go to hell but love love can never go to hell love lives on and it lives on in eternity so yeah that's a misconception it came about through the middle ages and has no fact in in religion in especially in the catholic religion we there is no such teaching as strictly old wives tales that have come, come through, you go to health, you commit suicide. Now there's different ways of, uh, you know, suicide. There's obviously, you know, the suicide, uh, you know, taking your life with, you know, with other people. And that's something else that that's not, you know, there's so many different varieties of suicide. Sure. So, but, but in, you know, in this case, no, absolutely not.
0: I take a lot of comfort in that because I do feel, and this is the way that I subscribe to the whole notion of suicide, is I feel like there should be an, an option for people who don't want to be alive anymore. And the thing is, is, like life is a gift, obviously. We are given it, but we didn't choose it. But we do have one choice, which is we have the option to leave it. And I do feel like people should have options to leave life if they don't approve of it because we don't choose to to be a part of it obviously like i'm here you're here everyone else is here that's listening to the show and uh we were all brought here out of our own volition so we do have one choice which we can leave and we have our own options what are your opinions right. and what are your your thoughts here on assisted suicide with yeah. dr kevorkian when he was a yeah. you know a thing do you think that's a good option for people or how do you feel about that
1: well no one wants to see their loved ones in pain and yeah. uh you know but but I think uh you know you have to love life and and it's your degree of how how you love life, and I think you have to respect life um life is such a beautiful thing, you know it wasn't something you know well we created it, but we we only created it because we were created to create it. but it's a creation that 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 goes beyond us. To take a free, um, you know, to 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 make that decision uh, is really a tough one. Uh, my sister is going through a really bad back pain surgery, and uh, you know, I see her in pain. But sure, you know, I I, I'll tell you the truth: she she was probably very close to to making that decision, but she got through that, and um, you know, uh, and 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 is thank God she 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 made it through that. Other situations where, you know, uh, that there's no hope, I, I, I really, I, I believe that you shouldn't be in pain. I believe drugs should be used to, to, to relieve pain, but not to end life. Sometimes they, they do end life. Like, you always hear morphine, and this happened with my dad. He died young at 59, and, um, you know, he had cancer. And toward the end, you know, they gave him morphine, and it was probably a dose of morphine that ended up, you know, pushing him over. But uh, he wasn't given the morphine directly to end the life. It was more to relieve pain. And so my feelings are that, you know, life is too too important to to end. But again, um, I, I haven't lived um, that type of thing, so uh, that's my. You ask me my opinion. That's that's how I believe life is just too precious, and especially when you develop a relationship with God, and you and you start to see His creation all around you, from from, you know, and then you see it even combined with our creations. Sometimes I get crazy. I look at the ocean. I'm like, that is amazing. Yeah. Then I look at a traffic light. I say. You know, that's amazing, too. That's pretty crazy to come up with that, you know. But so, uh, you know, I guess the creation all over the place. And so I would say, no, you know, I, I, um, I'm against uh, any type of uh, ending life directly.
0: There are so many things that I agree with you on here, but there's a couple of things I disagree on here. Um, when I look at the ocean because we live here in Myrtle Beach and we are right by the beach and we can go there anytime we want and just see the waves crashing in and things like that and the life that's going on out there and you think about it and you're like wow this world is so much bigger than me so there has to be something out there but then you go back and if you try to research this stuff and you think about these stories like you know uh, Moses parting or you know, like part of the oceans or whatever, and there's one of each animal on on you know the uh, whatever. Right. And well, there's so many different know, biblical stories, like Jesus healing, healing the lame. Like, why doesn't
1: that happen now? And that well fuels you me. know it, it's you know when you think about it, you know, the, first of all, the Bible has you know it's an Old Testament and New Testament. There are some that believe that the Old Testament is symbolic, right? Mm-hmm. Where uh, you look at the uh, the 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 ark, uh, you know. Some people say, "Well, you know, did it happen or didn't it happen, or is it symbolic?" And uh, other scholars will believe that it's symbolic of the fact that you know Christ saved us on the cross. The cross was wood. The ark was wood. And there's a lot of um, you know these are the kind of things I read about all the time, which really yeah. makes me think. There's no there's no answer, but it really makes me think. And there's different religions that take the Bible literally and others take it symbolically. Uh, the question is, if you take it symbolically, where do you draw the line? Um, and so, but, but I, I, I read a lot on that, that stuff. And I, you know, I, you know, and as far as people being healed, there are a tremendous amount of people being healed today. The power of prayer is incredible. Um, and you get people praying uh, toward some goal like, uh, you know uh, toward toward helping a particular person um uh, it it is incredible i've seen i've seen where prayer has healed people have removed their cancer totally uh so uh it these things happen um you know it's not uh, it's not you know someone who's uh you know uh you know uh, some kind of crazy uh religious uh, fanatic it's it's uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I have an engineering background, so believe me, I I weigh things uh, pretty much. Oh yeah. And I've seen some, I've seen some incredible, incredible uh, healings going on. So, yeah, I would not, uh, I would not, uh, I wouldn't say that it doesn't go on today. Jesus is not here today, but he does still exist in terms of uh, us, in terms of people, um, and the powerful. It's powerful today. You know, you talk about the. Pre- the faith of a mustard seed. You don't have to have a lot. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to walk on water, but, uh, you know, you just need a little bit.
0: Boy, you're a very intelligent guy, and I can tell this from her, you know, an hour and a half we've been talking here. So I want to ask you this question here. Like, why are so many people that are so intelligent? Like, I listen to a lot of uh, different political podcasts and things like that, like Ben Shapiro. These guys are so smart, you know, like they tell you what's right and what's wrong, but then they can tell you that this man walked on water. You can heal people by touching them. And it's like you're basically reading pages off a comic book at this point. Why are so many people so willing to believe these impossible things can happen? But they're so intelligent to tell you that things like that can't happen now, but they believe in this fairy tale. And the reason why I ask you this, and, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm trying to be as respectful as possible because I, I really want to know, and our listeners want to know, Because I really do want there to be an afterlife where there is a God, someone who has this paradise that you can go to and you're just taken care of and everyone that you ever loved is there and everything's great and everything's perfect. But it just doesn't make sense because it it just can't happen. It just doesn't make logical sense. And these smart people are telling you, like, hey, listen, yeah, oh, yeah, this is real, but this other stuff isn't real.
1: Yeah. You know, there's, uh, again, um, there's a book I read years ago called The Christ Commission, and it was a, it was a, it was a little novel uh, written by um, Og Mandino, and, uh, and uh, it was about a guy who wanted, he went out to disprove that Christ was ever, really ever died and rose from the dead. They, he, he was out to prove that, if, you know, if he could, if he had a commission, he could go back in the time, he would show that, you know, his body was taken. And it wasn't really risen because let's face it, if Christ hasn't, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, this is all nonsense, right? All of it. Yeah. All the churches, it's all nonsense if he didn't rise. So he went, he, you know, so he, he, um, <laughs> he goes on a talk show. I guess it was Johnny Carson at the time. And uh, <laughs> he, Toss- he um, yeah. so he goes and he's, uh, you know, talking about how if he had this commission, he'd go back in the time and, you know, prove it is all bullshit, you know. And so it was taped. So now he's in the hotel bar watching it when it was being played. And people in the audience are sitting by the bar and said, that, that seems like that's you. That, you have no right to talk like that. You know, these are people that have got blind faith or whatever. And he end up, you know, punching this guy out, knocking him out. So he wakes up in, uh, and he's all in these strange surroundings. And um, he's back in the, the day of Christ, actually about, 10, 10 or 15 years after he died and uh, so now he has this commission and he has to prove it and so hmm. it's pretty cool and uh, I I like I like taking things like that in a novel as opposed to reading scripture or a book that's one-sided I like this I like to see how people came to it on their own and uh, you know that to me is more powerful to someone that is searching for answers that doesn't want to answer that someone else found in their search or, or the answer that was found thousands of years ago and then put into packaged prayers. That's not going to help you or people that are searching. They need to see how other people come to a faith out of nowhere, you know, based on, you know, their unexpected events and nonsense in their life. So, so those are the kinds of things I would, I would say would, would be very helpful. You know, you, a, no one's, no one's going to stand up and say, well, you know, I believe in, I mean, they might try, but they're going to go too far. I can't, I can't tell you I believe because I had this uh, revelation when I was 14. You know, that doesn't do anything for you.
0: Yeah. I think it's amazing that you kept your faith this entire time because, like, you've dealt with heartbreak. You know, and, and you know, God bless you because like you, you've dealt with it with class and dignity that most people wouldn't have that same class and dignity, the same that you have. If I dealt with that kind of adversity, I would kind of point to the sky and say, "Hey, screw you! Yeah. Why did you do this to me?" You know, yeah. like I like I would point the blame at the same point of people that praise the yeah. being well,
1: I'm, of the I'm, deity. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm bitter. I'm bitter at the church. Believe me, when they. You know, I had a point. I had to, I, had to uh, I wrote the Pope, you know, I sent him a copy of my book and, um, you know, asked if they could reinstate me. I said, yeah, I know I left, uh, you know, but I'm remarried. I, I, you sent me through six years of school. Uh, I'd really like to be a deacon. I loved being a deacon. You know, why can't I be a deacon now? Just because, you know, i lost my wife and I decided to remarry two years later, actually exactly. three years later. Why can't you, right? Why, what did I do wrong? I didn't do anything wrong. I, I exactly. just how is and, that uh, your
0: problem? Like you didn't do this. This happened yes. to you and you made it better so, for yourself.
1: I'm bitter. No, no one in the clergy, like priests or anything. The only one has read my book. Most of them won't even touch it.
0: It just doesn't make any sense. Like there's no tolerance at all. It's like you have to blindly believe
1: in this. They in they the bring that. The, they they create the they, they get the wagon wheels in a circle and that's what they defend they defend their decision. That's it
0: why can't you have a church in Myrtle Beach? Because if you had a church here, I would go to it every single week because <laughs> this is the kind of stuff that I need to hear. Yeah, and people, yeah. run. because like, I, I feel like we're more logical now than we used to be. Like, I feel like we're not just going to blindly believe in this thing. Like, hey, there's this magical guy in the sky. He's listening to everything you're saying. He knows yeah. when you're asleep. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good, or bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. The old Santa Claus song, you know, like,
1: yeah, I think I think yeah, the churches. Crazy. I think what's going to happen in the future, where the churches, you know, are going to re re reestablish themselves, will be in small groups. Will be like 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 it did back in the day, where
0: like tribes,
1: know, like little tribes or little hell, yeah. you know house churches, and and you know that's probably how it's going to work again because. You know the spirit that went behind all of the creation of this stuff, of these rules and regulation, has been wiped out. You know, and uh, again, I go back to scripture. Christ said it. He used you know, to, he used to, uh, you know, look at the the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees. These were the the Jewish uh, scholars and you know priests in the back in the day. And he said, you guys are all full of this rules and regulations, but you don't know the heart of the law. You know, they know all the 500 rules and regulations, how to do this, how to wash your hands before eating, how to do that. But you don't have any life in you that that your heart is is cold. And, um, you know, that's to me makes sense. And that's how I started reading more and more about the life of Christ. It just he when he attacked those types of people, I felt that it was very appropriate to the ones that are in, you know, the power now. It's the same thing.
0: All right. So in closing here, can you tell us about your books and just tell us like a little bit about each one and just how well, I mean, it yeah. came out to you and like yeah. what your inspiration was and things like that? Yeah.
1: Well, one book I wrote, which was just a, a bridge to simplicity is really ne- never really, it was more of an esoteric engineering book of how to visualize things. I, I don't really include that. I, the only book I have right now is The Deacon, An Unexpected Life. Uh, when I was going through all of these things, the, the, the uh, you know, the the, the suicide, the, uh, I decided to put this together in a way that, uh, you know, made sense, and in a way that was moving to a reader. So I created a little bit of fiction behind it. So really, it's a story of a a reporter who's talking to me about, you know, what was it like to be a deacon. Uh, why did you leave? Um, you know, talk to me a little bit about how you became a deacon. Were you called to be a deacon? Um, and then, you know, things start to come out. Oh, why did you leave? Well, I talked about my wife and, and the suicide and uh, the rejection that I felt. Uh, and then, you know, finding light and peace. So when, when, when my current wife, Dorothy, read the first few versions of it. She says, you know what, you're going to help a lot of people. And even though it was originally written from a cathartic sense of, of getting things off my chest, it the focus switched to you know, helping other people because obviously everyone ha- lives an unexpected life in some way. Some have more unexpected events than others, but so what was it that got me through my unexpected events? So, so again, I was starting to get letters from people when it first came out, like you helped me do this. I was, you know, and, and that's what motivated me to, Hey, this, this, this might, this might be good. And so that's, 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 that's how this book came about. Um, as I said, that, uh, the proceeds benefit, uh, suicide awareness, um, you know, it's uh, I, I probably will write another one, um, but it'll probably be more of a fiction based, of a person sort of like you, that's uh, kind of wants answers, and he uh, goes about looking for them, and uh, that's that's what the next book's going to be about. But that might take some time because this one came together because it all happened; <laughs> it was real. That one is going to be a little more, you know, about.
0: I can't wait to read them. And I'll tell you what, I mean, like, this is a very important message that a lot of people need in their lives. And the thing is, it's like a lot of people just no one knows. I don't care how religious you are, how non-religious you are. No one knows what happens when your eyes shut for the last time. So we all have to have something to believe in. And I feel like stories like yours are ones that help people push through their darkest times. And that's something that I really want our audience to get out of this episode here is. You know, there is light at the end of the tunnel in exactly. the of God and a man of faith. And you found a second life. You found a woman that you love and who loves you. And, and you still remember your old, you know, life and you still love her. But, you know, you, you moved on. And I feel like that's something that needs to be taught and, and, and remembered and learned here is that there is life after death and that you can't just give up. You have to keep moving forward and keep teaching and, and, and keep helping others move forward as well. So for he that, says, I
1: do. Thank you. It's great. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Well, this is a hell of a, 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 a topic here and it, it, it's very sensitive. And I do appreciate you for being very open on everything I've asked you. And, uh, you know, I would love to read it every book that you ever do in the future just please send it my way because like i am hooked right now i am like i'm all in <laughs> i'm very interested here so i'm always I'm looking there. for answers and you have all the questions
1: yeah <laughs> it's great it's easy to come up with the questions
0: the answers are a little tougher. <laughs> well those little roddy roddy piper he made a movie and he said i'm all out of bubble gum or something like that or you know however that quote goes but I do appreciate you for coming on the show, and uh, yeah, this is this has been very enlightening because a lot of people out there are looking for for answers to the questions that they don't know who to ask.
1: Yeah. you know, yeah, um, yeah. you know, uh, Gabriel uh, Byrne. Yes, he, um, he's plays that um, in, uh, I guess, in treatment. I sent him a copy of the book, and uh, one of the people that interviewed me asked me if there was someone that could play Tom in in this book, right? um who would it be and i said well i have no clue but then my wife says oh definitely gabriel Byrne." so i says okay i send him a copy of the book and uh, we'll see we'll see if he's interested hey you know
0: what if you need a fool who just doesn't believe in anything and who is very contradicting you can always have me on the sh- on the movie and i will play that part because that's me do <laughs> to a okay great uh Goodness. So where can people find you? Where can they see all your stuff? Where can they buy your books? Where can they find yeah. everything
1: you? Yeah, basically the deacon, an unexpected life can be found, you know, in all the, all the spots like Amazon and Barnes and Noble, but on my website uh, is probably the best way to find out a little more about the book, a little more about me, see some magic, also read some of the interviews and letters. Uh, and that's just my name. Okay. Www. Thomas Cornioli, F-A-R-G-N-O-L-I dot com. And uh, they, they could go there and uh, see, have access to the book in a whole bit.
0: Excellent. And we will also post links in the show's description of all the stuff that you have going on here. And uh, please send them to me as well. In great. email format and I'll put them in the show format and you know, I, I I feel like people are gonna really learn something and really gain something from this episode. So I really appreciate you for coming on the show and just sharing your experiences because it means a lot to people that are out there searching for answers. Great, great.
1: All right, well, thank you very much.
0: Thank you, sir, and you have a great night and thank you for coming on the Voices of Misery Podcast. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Take care.